Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us for today's conversation, and we know uh, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be right on our mission to encourage and equip you to lead in the local church. Before we get there, though, I want to remind you of a couple things. First, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on your favorite podcast listening app, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google or whatever, there's a way for you to subscribe. Just hit the subscribe button, add it to your favorites and to your, your playlist. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, certainly hit the subscribe button, hit that bell. We don't want you to miss a single episode uh, because we want you to weekly be encouraged and equipped to lead in the local church. We ask that you also rate our podcast. You can do that real simply. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. And you can always go to our website to check out our show notes. That's at churchleadershippodcast.com. Now, today's conversation. We are excited about and we are encouraged by the conversation we're going to have today with Alex Absalom. Alex lives in Long Beach, California, all the way on the West Coast. Alex and his wife founded Dandelion Resourcing, and uh, you're going to hear more about that in just a minute as we get to talk with him. And we're going to talk about something that Mark and I love to talk about today, and I'm just going to give that as a teaser. So (laughs) Alex, thank you so much for taking time to join us on the podcast this week. It's, it's a great pleasure. It's, it's lovely to be with two fellow Alabama guys. So, you know, I count myself as one of you, obviously, as you can <laughs> tell from my accent. I'm, That's right. Of course. Yeah. I'm just down the road to you two. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, speaking of that, Alex, uh, you know, I've been following you and, and been influenced by you and some of your ministry for a while. Tell us a little bit about your story, obviously. Um, you aren't from Long Beach or Alabama. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your story and, and how God has gotten you where you are and, uh, and a little bit about your passion, which is what we're going to talk about, and that's making disciples. Yeah. Well, it's a great privilege to be here. Thanks so much, guys. And, and hello to everyone listening and watching. Uh, so obviously, originally from England, I was born right, right in the middle of London, uh, actually, and um, grew up there, non-Christian background, came to faith uh, in my mid-teens. And I'm married to Hannah. We have three now young adult sons who are all really going strong after the Lord, which is amazing. And we've been in church leadership all our lives. So originally a church plant in London and then a a church in Northern England, a city called Sheffield, where we saw lots of innovation really around how to be on mission. How how do you go and make disciples in a city where at that time fewer than 3% of people would be in church on a Sunday morning? So the guys I play soccer with, which is Jesus' favorite sport, by the way, guys, real good. <laughs> <laughs> it's girly football with pads and helmets, all right? We're playing real good. <laughs> and, you know, so it's like we, but so the guys, I started a team, a few guys from church, mostly just friends. And so how do you represent Jesus in that place? Because just saying to them, hey, guys, why weren't you at church on Sundays? Like saying to you or me today, hey, why weren't you at the mosque last Friday? And you'll mm-hmm. go, well, why did I be at the mosque? It's not even on your radar. And in a, in a post-Christian culture, that's what we find. So we had to work out how do you go with the gospel? How do you go and make disciples in an environment that uh, seemingly is very hostile to Jesus? But actually, when you scratch a bit deeper, it's still got all the same issues. There's tons of spiritual hunger. 
uh, and there's so much opportunity to, 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 to make disciples in those spaces. So anyway, we were there, blah, 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 lots of fruitfulness. And then we moved to the States in 2007. Uh, we went to Oklahoma City. We thought we'd go abroad for a couple of years of cross-cultural mission. Uh, so <laughs> that's what it was. But we loved it. Loved living in Oklahoma. Uh, and during that time, the Lord called us as a family to the States full time. So we're, mm. we're now U.S. citizens. We're, we would say we're a family of missionaries to the United States. And then uh, after that, we spent five years in Northeast Ohio with a mega church helping that develop disciple making, missional culture. And then we've been in Long Beach and we spend most of our time now actually. So we're planting a network of home churches, but primarily what we spend our time doing is serving the wider church. Um, through coaching, speaking, writing, um, cohorts, all sorts of stuff like that in, in this whole area of disciple making, being on mission, doing it all in the power of the spirit. That's awesome. That's, that's wonderful. And to hear uh, how God has brought you on this journey, it, it all has this foundation based on disciple making. And that's, that's, that's our passion. That's our, our motivation for how we, we do things, philosophy of ministry, whatever you want to call it. And we get to have a lot of conversations here on the podcast about disciple making. And uh, if, by the way, if we do mention biscuits, we may be talking about something different here. But we do know if we're talking about disciple making, we're talking about the same thing. That's right. That's right. Uh, so yeah, biscuits in the South and biscuits in England, they're, they're two different things. So. There's a great video on the internet and it's something like British people are served biscuits and gravy for the first, first time. They're all like, we're actually ready to throw up, you know, because it's just... <laughs> I can imagine. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're from Alabama, it's required that you that you grow up liking biscuits and gravy. You know, it's we like bread here. I, I've told people before, it's like serving liquid bread on top of already cooked bread. So <laughs> that's really much really what yeah. it is. So, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> we're, we're speaking the same language when it comes to disciple making and and how we're wanting to not just help a local church, but the church at large. Right. What have you seen in your time, not just in England or, or being now a missionary and a church uh, a consultant and coach and equipper here in the States? What have you seen as far as disciple making in your journey that, that has really stuck out to you? And, and here's what I mean by asking that question. We've noticed the trend in the last few years of disciple making coming more and more to the forefront and the awareness of churches and church leaders. And we're thankful for that. We're very thankful for that. Uh, we, we're, we've said before, we feel like that, that it's so old that it's new again, that we've gotten lost in programming and, and emphasizing maybe some things that weren't as, as effective or helpful. But now we're seeing this, this resurgence of disciple making. What have you seen in the last several years that's encouraging to you, or maybe that sticks out to you as you help churches discover and and move on that path of disciple making yeah what a great question so a, a few thoughts come to mind firstly i think i agree with you 100 everything you said which is there is a there's a far greater seriousness being pl- placed upon disciple making in the church at the moment which is which is fantastic loads of great books being written and tools and resources and podcasts and, and so on so so that's that's wonderful uh i think the, the second piece I'd say is I see um, a, a greater time together of discipleship and disciple making with mission. In other words, how do we, you know, Jesus says go and make disciples. And often yes. we've forgotten the go part and it all becomes just an inward focus thing. And I think that the, the thing that crashes disciple making is when we turn it inwards. Right. Um, 
And so actually that I, when there's a, there's a strong go or out element to it, I think there's a healthy through flow. It's almost like you, you're, you're discipling in a river rather than in a pond. Uh, and so it's, That's good. Uh, I, that, for me, as someone who was saved out of a, a very broken original family of origin, I have this um, deep motivation to, I want to see more as many lost people as possible reach. And, you know, it is, and it's giving them the full gospel. I think the problem often of what we do is we have a truncated form of the gospel, which is just about pray this prayer and you get free fire insurance. You're good to go. And we aren't making disciples. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying those folks who do that aren't going to heaven, but there's so much more. It's a relationship. It's not just a contract. So we have to find ways to help, uh, people get invited into this beautiful journey of walking with Jesus, of being discipled by Jesus. And, and you get, you know, we, we imitate one another as you follow, imitate Christ and, and all that whole journey, which I know you know tons about. Um, so I think the missional piece is vital. And then I think the third piece, which I find really intriguing as well, which I'd layer in is uh, I think in the last few years, there's been a greater awareness of um, the importance of allowing the Holy Spirit to be fully at work in our disciple making. The language we use is being naturally supernatural. Um, and so it's not because I think that sometimes what happens is you have churches which are which really committed to disciple making. They're really committed to going on mission. I mean, so many awesome things, great values with all check, check, check all the way through. Awesome people. But it can end up feeling quite strivy. I just made up a word there. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it's a word in England, so it's a word now. All right, so it, there you go. There we go. The Queen says it, I'm sure. So it's, but up, you can help make a culture that feels full of striving, and it's a lot of work, and that can end up kind of sucking the, like, where's the grace in that? So mm. I think we, we need this beautiful work of the Spirit as well to go ahead and around us and to be consciously act working with them. So it's almost like one of the ways I, would, I might describe this, I'll, I'll pause in a moment, is, I think of it like a Venn diagram, you know, three overlapping circles. Remember our math lessons. And, but it's, and I'd, one is disciple making, one is being on mission, one's being naturally supernatural. And I think where you get all three coalesce, mm. you really do start to see this kind of kingdom culture that Jesus speaks about so often in, in the gospels. I think that's fantastic. I, I want to drill down on a little bit of that because I think what you mentioned is what churches, you know, here in the States for a long time, we made that mistake of separating discipleship and evangelism. Yeah, like yeah. they're two different things. Uh, when in fact, disciple making is is all of that combined. You can't make disciples without being on mission, and, and vice versa. And so, I want to drill down on that being on mission for a minute because you do it in a very unique way. Um, you know, you you're um, you know you're leading not only uh, this this cohort and coaching resourcing group, but you're you're leading a, a group of churches as well. And so, I want to talk a little bit about that we're coming out of COVID and I mean, it, before COVID took place, I think this was happening churches and pastors and leaders are like, okay, well, you know, I want to be a church that makes disciples. I want to be on mission, but how do I do that? And now we're coming out of COVID where, you know, people were afraid to leave their homes for a while. You know, people aren't going out now they're starting to go out again. And, you know, in my neighborhood, I'm starting to see my neighbors again, you know, it's awesome. But how would you, encourage exhort uh leaders and pastors to be more on mission uh, and to lead their churches to do that so i think the 
key is giving people simple next steps. Often what we do is we make it way too complicated and our disciple making pathways sound like someone's gone through every single Dallas Willard book and written. (laughs) 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 This stuff's awesome. It's gold, but there's no way I'm going to remember it or or live it out. So we need to give people, you know, sometimes the don't let the best be the enemy of the good. Mm. And I think for a lot of people, just give them some simple handholds. So, so right now, actually, we're, we're, with some of the churches working with, we're, we're, we've, we're calling it a season of witness, So which S-O-W, so it's actually a sowing season. And I think it's because as we come out of COVID, uh, it's going to be a, it's not going to be suddenly an ending. I think we're going to have an 18, 24 month thaw, maybe longer. There's going to be tons of discombobulation, to use a great word, as we come out. You know, there's going to be a lot of professionals talking about massive turnover of, of, of jobs, education, healthcare, so on. A lot of job change. Pastors, actually, a lot of, lot of pastors have job change to go. Um, because people got so frazzled and worn out by what's gone on. I think there's going to be movement, uh, um, house, people moving house, moving locations. There's going to be a whole change in how we operate in, in a lot of businesses and, and commercial. Also, but alongside, there's also education. Obviously, kids have had everything chaos for the past year um but then also there's a lot of unprocessed trauma and loss from the past 15 months Mm. that most people and particularly if you're if you're not in a christian culture christian uh, if you're not you know in a christian community it's like where's that been processed and there's all that going on and and just culturally lots of things change and then as things open up the way it's i suspect what will see happen is a massive rise of hedonism because people are going to have all these deep desires and and they're going to explode out some in good ways, some in really unhealthy ways. Uh, it's going to be the whole mix. You know, we want to travel. We want to get with our friends. We want to party. We want to, you know, the whole mix. Of, so how do we process that? And I think this is going to be a massive season of witness because when culture is in transition, church history tells us the gospel can advance most quickly. So we have to equip our people to, to in very simple ways to engage with their neighbors and friends at this time. So I'll give you... Real simple things that we're saying. So I think number one, pray, got to be praying. And I think the specific I'd say is who are the three people, your lost people who live near to you're praying for by name every day? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a classic. It's not an original thought. Uh, it worked for Billy Graham really well. So who are your three people you're going to pray for by name every day? Just like who lost, who are those people? Like name them and pray for them every day. And then when you have an accountability group, pray for one another. So, yeah. That's the first one. Second one, the word we've used is parties. What I mean by parties is how can you be a center of community in your place of mission? So that's your neighborhood, your workplace, the soccer team, whatever it is you do. Um, And parties could be two people having a cup of tea. Now, in my case, it's going to be hot tea because I love Jesus. I know you're full and you drink iced tea. Uh, (laughs) I shall pray for your salvation later. But but it could be as simple as that, or it could be 80 people dancing. I mean, it can be everything in between. It could be playing board games. It could be a big event. It could, it's, this is for introverts as much as for extroverts. But what does it look like for you to build community? That leads to the third thing, which is you're looking for your people of peace. Who are the ones who are open to you and particularly open to how Jesus looks in you? Because how Jesus looks at me is different how he looks in you because, you know, he's so gracious and humble. And then the fourth thing is out of that, look to have profound conversations. A lot of the time what we do is we settle at the shallow, oh, talk about the football and the the weather and and that's fine but we actually got to learn to lean in and go deeper and as we go deeper i think at least just the final part which is as we have profound conversations we can start to bring the presence of god by doing simple things and and i think the key phrase we we teach people is as people say um 
hey, I'm really stressed about my kids going back to school or money is really tight and bothered about that or we can't make a decision about where to live right now or whatever. You can come alongside someone and say, gosh, that's, that is really tough. I totally get it. And blah, blah, blah. But this might sound crazy, but I think Jesus wants to help you be a better mum in this period of time. Would it be all right if I prayed for you for that? And so, we, so the phrase we teach is, can I pray for you? And mm-hmm. I tell you, I can't tell you loudly enough how that has been a game changer for us in mission. So simply come outside your neighbor, your friend, your colleague, uh, and, so, and it could be a celebration. Can, oh, you got a new baby. Can I just pray that God will bless your baby? I think Jesus would really, like, parents' faces light up, you know, or, or they're going through loss or difficulty. And people, I mean, I, I put it like this. I've never been turned down by a non-Christian when I've offered to pray. I've been turned down by Christians. Now, there's a whole other podcast. Uh, yeah. But I've never been turned down by a non-Christian. And what you find is people, you, you watch their eyes well up with tears, and people are so deeply moved, even if the prayer is not answered in quotes right there and then. But what happens is they experience the presence of Jesus through you. They experience the love of the Father for them by your tone, your touch, your voice, what you pray. And I don't have to argue them into the kingdom because what we've done, we've just experienced together the presence of God, presence of Jesus in their life. And so the conversation has jumped from, you know, way back here. Suddenly we've, we've, we've kind of catapulted forward and the whole basis of how we interact has changed. And I think it's, it's simple things like that to people. And teach people to, this is what it looks like for you to be in mission. If you, in this if you prayed and you did parties and you and you look, you know, look for the ones who are open and, and just have those profound conversation and look to pray, can I pray for you? Do that faithfully for the next six months over this summer season. Hmm. See what happens. Wow, that is awesome. I think that's about as practical, real world as it gets, uh, Alex. Yeah. I mean, what you're mentioning. Uh, would be helpful to not just any church leader, but any church member right. who's watching or yeah. listening. To this podcast. Totally. Yeah. And uh, I think it has to be super practical like that because yes. I'm, a, I'm a practical guy. I, I, you guys are, we, we can have the theory, which is fine. And we do need to think deeply, but I think for most people, what they need is, is that give me something I can take away and apply on Tuesday afternoon. That's right. That's, that's what I, I love about what, what my introduction to you you know, disciples that make disciples, one of, you know, kind of that napkin discipleship, you know, we, we have a, a value here, less is more. And uh, I think we give people something simple, they can actually run with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the, the framework that you're giving just action points, next steps, just simple things. All right. You want to know what to do? Here are some specific things that you can do, not impossible things, but just simple things that you can do. And we feel like the the door has swung wide open through the pandemic and the opportunities that it's presented for us to have some of these conversations, these deep, meaningful conversations and get past the, the shallow. Because all of us, whether we're believers or not, we have this connecting point now where, you know what, we've all been through something together. Yeah. And it's not been easy for any of us. It's been frustrating. It's been scary. It's been hard. You know, and we have so many different connecting points in that conversation that we can bring up with people that we feel like now we have something in common with just about anyone, yeah. uh, you know, race yeah. or gender or whatever sociodemographics that may separate us. We now have something common and yeah. we can use that as a, 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 an opportunity for us to have those, 
spiritually deep right. conversations, pray for them, as you mentioned, and, and trust the Holy Spirit, not just in our life to lead us in those positions, but trust the Holy Spirit to work in those people's lives too. And yeah. that's as much a part of disciple making as anything, you know, uh, the best disciples are safe disciples. So I mean, if you're going <laughs> right. to disciple people, it's best to share the gospel with that's them right. and have opportunity to do that. Yeah. So let me ask you this as we kind of start to wind down and, and head head towards the end of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and we've got a way we're going to close out. I think that, that might be helpful and encouraging is, is a lot of what you're talking about, a lot of what you've experienced and a lot of what you're, you're working through with leaders in, in the church right now. It seems like there's a level of, of this, this satisfaction that disciple making is the, the ministry of the church, not just a ministry of the church. And the, the gospel is not just, the, 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 the salvation and the baptism is not the, the finish line, but this it's the life after that of following Jesus. There's so much satisfaction in people understanding that now, but there's also the frustration. And that is how do we overcome decades of what, what we've talked about so far? I mean, we're overcoming decades, especially in, in our, uh, denomination of, of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're overcoming decades of just getting people to make decisions or getting people on the rolls into the membership of our church. Mm-hmm. So how do we move past that point of, of frustration about those things and just see where we are clearly so that we can know, like you mentioned, the next 18, 24 months, I think it's going to be a great opportunity to mm-hmm. sow seeds. How do we, how do we be encouraged in that? I think I would think about metrics. So what are you measuring yourself by and what are you measuring your church community by at this time? So often we set ourselves against measures because we're all measuring ourselves against something. So we, we pick things that are honestly helpful. So, you know, classically, it's always been attendance uh, buildings or baptisms, depending on how you go, and um, cash. So, and, and, okay, we have to count the money to bank it and so on. And, and it's not wrong to count the Sunday attendance. And obviously we want to see more baptisms. But I think we need to think of some, perhaps some richer metrics. So I, for me, the top measure has to be something like how many disciple-making disciples do we have? How many people are in disciple-making relationships right now? So it's that sort of pathway. And so therefore that means that whilst therefore some of those are going to rock up at say Sunday service, there's going to be a whole load of one. I was talking to a guy, uh, we, one, a guy I've been coaching, who's um, his passion is with a load of kids in a skate park in the in the town where he, the city where he lives, and so he's he's going. The, and it, the shift for him is work out. Okay, he has, to, he has to work out how to do church in the skate park rather than thinking he's got to bring them, drag them to the Sunday morning service. But most of them are asleep, to be honest. Great. Um, and and it, then it's helping that church understand that if they can actually, this guy can form, and he's he's got he's building a little team. They can make, go and make disciples at the skate park. That's actually their churches. It's being expressed in a different way. And so it's having the right understanding of what is success, what is, what is a win, um, how do we, and then how do we celebrate those things? So how do we tell those stories to the wider church here? So uh, language I, I stole from Alan Hirsch is, you know, who, who are the, every culture has a hero system. So who are your heroes? And what are they, what, so what stories are you telling? What illustrations are you giving as you preach? What are the things that you're praying for? What are the, who are the people who get the microphone on a Sunday morning? Who are the ones you're talking about in the, in the bulletin or on the website? And I would think, try and just make a, a gentle steer, lean into those who are actually taking missional risks, those who are seeking to go out and make disciples. 
tell some of the story. Sometimes those stories are going to be stories of like, wow, we did this thing and God really showed up. And sometimes it's going to be stories of, hey, we invited the whole street and no one turned up. Um, so it's stories of failure. But then you go, okay, so what are you doing now? And you go, well, next time we're going to do it again, but we've worked out we're going to do it like this. And for me, that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's full of grace, but they're persevering. And again, we wanted to make it just down to earth practical. People saying, you know, it's not all going to be perfect. We're going to mess up. But we, we're trying to build, we as a church are committed to innovating and trying, experimenting because it's worth it, because the lost are worthy of being reached and rescued. We, we have to go and make disciples like this. Sorry, I'm going to start preaching. So I'll stop there. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's perfect. That's, uh, I mean, it's so, so needed. And I think timely. Um, you know, it, for me, I mean, over, I, I said some of the same things, but I needed to hear that uh, in this moment. That's so powerful, Alex. And so, I mean, you've already encouraged us, uh, but but I do want to ask, um, as we're thinking about this whole idea of being on mission and, and, you know, being disciples who make disciples and trying to, trying to create cultures in our churches uh, that are, you know, making disciples who make disciples, um, is there anything else that you would like to say to the pastors and the leaders watching and listening as they attempt to do this in their own context? So I would say uh, you have to do it yourself. Obviously, mm. you can't lead where you're not willing to go. We all know that. I think what I'd say that for all of us is who are you called to be reaching at this time? Who are you called to be on mission amongst? Who are you called to be making disciples amongst at this time? Uh, there's no wrong answer to that question. It's all good. Okay, so you, it's not, it's a kind of no fail test. But uh, so in that kind of realm of looking outwards to the wider community, who do you want to, who are you and your household on mission? So for instance, right now, I say my primary place of mission is actually our neighborhood where we live. So that's our prim- where we're seeing most opportunity, most people, peace, most frequent. Uh, and I could name three guys who I pray for every single day who live on my street, three, three men. Uh, and so I'm intentional about spending time with them. So what you do is just allow the logic to flow through. Like, who am I meant to be reaching? Okay, I think it's these. I think the Lord is saying here. Okay, so I'm praying for them by name. Therefore, I'm going to like prioritize that in my calendar. And it's not like, oh, gosh, I've got to go and hang out with Robin again. Oh, what a pain. <laughs> like, cool. You know, I might be tired, but it's like, oh, great. I get to, you know, sit around the fire pit with Robin tonight or something. You know, it's, it's, that's how it should feel. Yeah. Um, so I think do that stuff. Because I think as you live that out yourself, you're going to have fresh stories and you're going to be able to train others to do exactly the same thing. Because it's all relational. You know, we're interested in a relational walk with God. With, with God, our Heavenly Father, we're inviting the relationship with the family of God again, and, and Jesus loves to walk that way, the Spirit works that way. And so our mission needs to be highly relational. Uh, you're not trying to close the sale, you're inviting people into a lifetime journey. And you're, what you'll find is you're looking for those moments where there's an area of their life where they're starting to open up about, they're being vulnerable, and you get to say, well, in effect, you're saying, imitate me as I imitate Jesus in this area. Amen. And you just model that for them. I, I don't think you could have said that uh, clearer or better, That's Alex. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, everything you've had to say today, I think, has been great and with a great accent, I might add. So, <laughs> That's right. Uh, but we, we, we appreciate not only your time here on the podcast today, but we appreciate your heart and how you are letting God use you. And I know I have been encouraged and better equipped to continue on the journey of leading a local church and making disciples. And we know others who have been watching, and listening right. how to today. Very kind. Absolutely. Thank you. 
and uh, invite everybody again to check out the show notes. We're going to, we're going to put some information about Alex there and about, uh, about Dandelion resourcing and uh, ways you can get in touch with him if you need to. So again, thank you so much, Alex. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a privilege. Awesome. We'll see y'all next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 